out there in Biampod land. Greetings, Biamchis. Hey, finally. Finally, she does it. It's been a while. Her catchphrase. You don't say things are exquisite anymore, either. I know. That was that was an early, early catchphrase of yours. Yeah, I do like the word exquisite, though. I'll occasionally throw it in. Oh, and there's a little, it has to be, little bone for the fans. It, ha- <laughs> it has to be, like, properly exquisite, though, to deserve the label. Yes. Well, if you went to the... If you... If you went to the Montreal Meridian weekend, I hope you all had a wonderful time and that you've not brought COVID back with you. Oh. Like all the other Meridian weekends. Uh, <laughs> My nervous laugh. Like, <laughs> yeah. Nervous laugh. Some of you may have seen on the Beampod Facebook page underneath last week's episode that Lucy commented that if I had been paying attention, I would have noticed that the dates for next year's Port Zealand weekend had been announced last year. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that. (laughs) But there had been quite a few instances of of doubt being sown in terms of, you know, whether they could get insurance for, for the show. Oh, yeah, so you were unsure. Yes. So thanks, Lucy, for having a go at me publicly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, yes, so uh, it looks like, yes, Port Zealand is going ahead. Woodward, what are the dates? Oh, I can't remember. Isn't it it our daughter's birthday On the last night, I think, it ends on the 21st or the 20th of March. Mm. Or the 20... Okay, whatever. I don't know. Oh, I could just look it up. I can't bother. Look, everyone, it's March. End of March next year. Which she's going to love because she's going to be 21 and she just loves having the house to herself to throw wild parties for her friends. She's not going to care that we're not here. No, she'll be loving it. She hopes we're not going to be here. Yeah. Yeah, does she ever. Actually, she... (laughs) Let's start that again. Sorry, I burped. I burped. You always look so shocked when you burp. Well, because it comes out of nowhere. Didn't mean to. You look so startled every time it happens. Yeah. Oh, what a shambolic opening to this episode. We have a couple of things that we're going to talk about this week. Some of you, it, it would have not escaped your attention that it was recently the anniversary. Not even a particularly special anniversary. What was it, the... How many years? 1986. How long ago was 1986? 36 years ago. The 36th anniversary of Welcome to the Garden Party recently. Cool. The show that Meridian played at Milton Keynes. And I was there. What? You were actually there. Was that the one where you said you saw people throwing bottles of pee? Well, I had one hit me on the head. Oh, gross. Yeah. Disgusting. So I just thought we could have a little chat about that. Also, knowing how squeamish you are about things like that, that would have... I imagine that would have really affected you, disgusted well, you. Well, I wasn't certain it was pee. It was only really with hindsight that I thought that's pee. Oh. Because that's what people do at festivals. They and, throw it. They throw the bottles. Yeah, they pee in bottles and then lob them. That's fa- it was a famous I'm never going thing. to a festival. Well, I don't know if it still happens now. This is the thing I was going to talk about. We have something else to get onto as well this episode, as promised last week. But... Uh, it, it was, you know, what was I, 15? I was 15 years old and gone there with my friend John. And it was, there was a real sense of sort of chaos 
in the audience. I, you know, I don't go to many. In what sense? It just felt kind of. <laughs> I don't know. It was a really hot day. So here, let me tell you about. We caught the train up to Milton Keynes, me and John. I think I've told this story before about how there was a wasp in our carriage. This is the days when, you know, trains... It's a really old train. I can remember, you know, what the train looked like because it was the the uh, opening windows on the train. You know, they had the opening Aww. top. You could actually ask how, how wow. long ago this was. And there was a wasp buzzing around our table and we were on a table opposite this business-style gentleman who was reading a newspaper. And the wasp was annoying us and we were trying to keep away from this wasp. And the guy handed me his newspaper and I was like, oh, thank you. And I started reading it. And he was like, no, to get rid of the wasp. Why couldn't he get rid of the wasp? It was wasp? over our side. Oh, I see. So I remember fanning this wasp out of the out of the window. You were a hero. Yeah, I was. It's probably the bravest thing anyone's ever done. Probably. Surprised, I agree with that. Surprised I haven't been honoured at the Pride of Britain Awards. You should be knighted. I should. I do think about that sometimes. I know you do. (laughs) (laughs) I probably would turn it down, in all honesty. Would you? I think so. Why? Why would you turn it down if you're offered a knighthood? Because David Tennant did. (gasps) Did he? Why? Or he was offered some sort of honour. The rumour is, this is a rumour, I I don't know that for definite, but the rumour is he was either offered like an OBE or MBE or something, or a knighthood. And he apparently turned it down. I don't think it's like necessarily kind of widely. He didn't make a big deal out of doing it, but some people do because do, they do don't. Do you know his reasons? Is he like anti-royalist I think or something? He, I think he is on the quiet, David Tennant. He's he's a brilliant example of someone in the public eye who doesn't scare the horses. Mm. But I think on the quiet he is because he has. I think he has sort of supported publicly Labour, and you know, so I think his his politics are. Is definitely left left leaning, but he doesn't go on at length. Uh, but but he uh, yeah, apparently the rumor was was that he turned it down. I just I remember reading that wherever I saw it. again rumor. Don't know this for certain, and thinking, wow, that's really principled. And I've always held that up. But oh, so you know, services to children's television. If I ever get offered a some sort of honor, you that t- I'd be able to go nah. But would you be <laughs> would you be turning it down a because you're an anti-royalist or was it called a republican not the american politics kind of republican b because david tennant did it and you want to be like him or c other it's not i don't want to be like david tennant i'm offended that you should say that i was impressed <laughs> by how principled he was yeah i know uh, but like for me i'll tell you something what would that be, what i'm not would be particularly republic i've never been like kind of you know i've certainly never supported the royal family and i've certainly never kind of gone oh i'm so anti-royalist that i'm gonna kind of you know protest and go on marches down with the royal family mm. i i think though in recent years the royal family has definitely been tarnished, you know, the well, things has we've it learned, ever. Has it ever. But on top of that, I think that whole honour system for me feels very much tied to kind of a certain, certain sort of brand of colonialism. And I think the less that we maintain those, um, that continuity with that time, mm. the better. Yeah. Fair enough. That's a fair point. Yeah, so it's that really. So I'm not even, you know me, I'm not like kind of massively po- political. 
you know, I don't... I wish I was more political than I am in a funny sort of way. Yeah, obviously there are things in the world that absolutely outrage me and appall me. And But even then, it's like I don't... I wish I wish I had stronger sort of political convictions <laughs> one way or another. Mm. Um, why, why do you wish that? It well, feels like a good thing to be. You but, feel but that I it, kind you'd of, achieve more for no. the planet? Well, maybe. But I mean, sometimes, yeah, sometimes having stronger political opinions can help if you, if you take action upon them and sometimes it just causes problems. Yeah, yeah. I think... How we even got onto this subject? This is a I don't know. This podcast. is so not about Marillion, but no. But whatever, we'll carry on for now. <laughs> uh, I, uh, why would I want? Because it feels I, I respect people who have principles, mm. but I think I've always a lot of the time those principles. I think I, I equate to rigid thinking, and I, I think that when you're utterly inflexible in your views, then all you do is the the people that are opposed to those views, yeah. all you do is they, they get entrenched. You polarise even further than it, the situation already is polarised. Yeah, Often, I'm not saying every time. But... Look at America, that's about as extreme an example as you could get. I mean, it's, it, it's not much better in the UK, but America, it, it's insane how polarised that country has become. You know, in recent years. I think there's like a general trend of it increasing across the globe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because certainly in Western countries. Populist leaders have become in fashion again. You know, the, the, the Trump and his yeah. um, his admirers, I was going to say. You know, those mm. who sort of say, no, that's a good way of kind of getting and maintaining power. I mean, mm. all right, he didn't in the end, but he's still a hugely powerful, influential figure. Trump in the US uh, and his his legacy continues to resonate. I mean, look look what's happening with abortions and you know what was the what what was yesterday? Um, something else the Supreme Court ruled. Yeah, literally yesterday the Supreme Court took away a lot of the uh, America's environmental body mm-hmm. took away their ability to limit fossil fuel production. So, you know, in favour of lobbyists from the coal mining industry. Wow. You know, so we're screwed because of wow. this, this polarising politics that the world now has. And I think I've always sort of felt, you know, you have to be careful because it was like when I think I think I said some things years ago on, on Twitter and kind of got all these people kind of ooh, you centrist like that's a bad thing it's not sorry you know but I don't see myself as a centrist I certainly see myself as more on the left of center but I also sort of say you've got to reach across the aisle you have to mm. you know even something as as important as important and vital as a woman's right to her own body in the the abortion debate Mm. we have to find a way to work with these people who believe that abortion is evil that is a belief that that they you know that they believe is contrary to what god wants mm-hmm. uh, yeah and they fully believe that and you're not going to change their mind by going you're wrong no you're not and there's unfortunately that's not almost half the country 
yeah. that believe that. Butting heads just cracks skulls. It oh, yes, um, nicely said. Yeah, it doesn't actually build bridges. So, welcome to the garden party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Mr. Not Political again goes on like a 10-minute political rant. Uh, um, yeah, so so we got the train up. I don't remember how we got... It's, it's weird thinking back. I was such a young lad, 15, going oh, to... Oh, you were a baby. Yeah, going to a concert like that with just a, a fellow oh, teenage friend that was... Baby Paul. But it felt... Um, so we got. We must have got a cab or something, or maybe we got a bus, I don't know, to, to the Milton Keynes Bowl. And we were pretty much like, you know, first... <laughs> We got there so early, I think. Oh, Front Row Club. Yeah, back in those days. What time did you get there? Well, if I remember, the doors opened kind of midday. Right. And we were close to the front for when they opened. What did you do all day? Uh, Well, we we went in, they opened the doors. I remember this. And we just legged it. It was like big open. It's a big open. I don't know what it's like now, but back then it was... It was a big open field, basically, with sort of raised grass, verges around that, like a kind of, what do they call it in Disney, where they have it as a, to hide the outside world. It's oh, like a, it was like a big yeah. grass crater. Right. Basically, with a stage. <laughs> right. Which had, um, the stage had, uh, you know, huge kind of painted flags of like the, the jester and the, the drummer boy jousting, or mm. I think it was that one. Um, we just legged it to the front. I mean, like, you know, God, couldn't do that now because I remember it was a long way. We just ran. Loads of other people ran with us. And we were at the front. No way. Literally the front. Did you get to stay there for the whole gig? Well, we lasted uh, until perhaps um, hmm, partway through the first support band, which were Mum, oh, you're joking. Mama's Boys and The Mosh Pit was just too much for us. We were like young lads, so we ended up just moving back, which was, to be fair, you got a better view from further back anyway. Uh, although it was just a crush. That's the main thing I remember, just like being kind of hemmed in by people on all sides. And it just felt, you know, we were kids. We couldn't drink. We weren't drinking alcohol. So in around us were adults drinking I, I think there were some weird smells that I now realise were probably weed. Uh, you know, it was an environment that I'd never... Oh, back when you could smoke indoors. Yeah. Oh, I guess it was uh, outdoors, outdoors, but yeah. smoke in venues. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I probably would do it now anyway. And then it, it and then all the the bottle throwing happened, I think particularly during... Because it was, it was Mama's Boys followed by Magnum, who are still going, a kind of rock band with sort of slight prog leanings. Mama's Boys were an out-and-out sort of heavy rock band, I suppose. Then Magnum, then Jethro Tull. Yes. Who really should have been second on the bill, but uh, Gary Moore apparently wanted to be second on the bill. And and if I remember, the story goes that Jethro Tull apparently said, uh, it's fine, we don't care where we are as long as we get paid the same as Gary Moore. So, Fair enough. <laughs> so Jethro Tull, they are prog. Right. Uh, you know, Ian Anderson with his flute and yeah, he's standing brilliant. on one leg. And then Gary Moore, who, you know, is a sort of blues rock, or was blues rock guitarist. So and, quite, quite a few support bands there. Yeah, so we watched those. That's what we did. Uh, but I particularly remember during the Gary Moore set, 
the missiles that were just going overhead. Oh, already? Yeah. Just go to the toilet, people. Well, it was not only bottles of piss, it was just stuff being thrown at him. Uh, oh, being he, thrown onto yeah. the stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they didn't like blues rock. I don't know. Oh uh, man! And he did say at one part. I remember him stopping and saying, uh, "If you if you don't stop throwing things, we're going to stop the gig." Fair enough. Um, and it was like just an absolute hail of this stuff. And I remember what happened was I got hit on the head with a plastic bottle. It was like a sort of plastic beer bottle. But it was the 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 hard top hit me on the head Ooh. and no lid on it, uh, and I had a it produced a bump. Yeah, obviously then I got like, pissed. You know, there was every time these bottles went over, there you were drenched with stuff. Oh, uh, oh God, I shudder to think. And then um, I got hit with a Satsuma on my on the bump. On, my <laughs> on the bump, someone threw a Satsuma. I remember the guy behind me complaining to my mate John about me. And sort of saying, oh, you know, us little short asses always get stuck behind the tall blokes, don't we? So even though I was 15, you're I was already still tall. Tall at 15. Tall and gangly. Oh. Yeah, so I just remember the, the the this feeling of sort of. Thanks, cat. Jethro Tull, he's playing his flute. Uh, shush, cat, we're recording a podcast. Uh, yeah, so it was just this feeling of sort of wanton chaos that, that to a 15 year old who'd never been in an environment anything like that. Was it something you enjoyed or did, did it put uh, you off going to another gig for a while? Well, I didn't go to another outdoor gig like that, put it that way. I've never been one for sort of going to festivals or anything. And, I, yeah, I, I do remember there was after the gig on the way out, people had started fires sort of up on the, no. the sort of the hills overlooking, you know, the slopes. It sounds like uh, anarchy. It's what it felt like to me at that age. It felt like anarchy. And... It shows you, though, that the particularly, you know, when you look at the, the lineup of support acts and the people in, you know, I was looking at photos of, of the gig and it's it's denim. It's, you know, it's a sea of denim and, you know, topless men because it was very, very hot that day. Like, very hot. I remember that. So it shows sort of how Marillion's audience evolved and how closely associated they were with that that hard rock, Kerrang, heavy metal scene. Mm. I still don't get it looking back, really, because they weren't like any of those bands. They weren't like Gary Moore. They weren't like Mama's Boys. They weren't even really like Magnum. Mm. Yeah, they were on a different plane musically back then. But somehow, I guess there wasn't a... In the, in, in the, the 80s, there wasn't a prog scene it was, yeah, there were other bands. There was the IQs and Pendragons and stuff, but none of them had any degree of commercial success, really, on any kind of big scale like Marillion did. And so I suppose they ended up kind of getting lumped in with Iron Maiden and other big bands of the 80s. But it's still, even at the time, it baffled me why Marillion were put with like the, the heavy metal crowd and not with, for instance, Simple Minds and U2, who were stadium bands, yeah, much more in that vein. Saying, now that you say that, I could see them fitting with that genre. 
what do you call it? Yeah, Stadium I could Rock. See them, Stadium I could, Rock is I what? I could definitely see them fitting with those bands yeah. more. Why didn't they, why didn't you two and Simple Minds get lumped in with heavy metal and Marillion did? Mm. It was just early on, somehow, yeah, that's the audience it attracted. Yeah. And, you know, they would get coverage in Kerrang. Yeah. Uh, very strange, but... I do remember it. It was a, I mean, I, I, weirdly, my memories of that gig was much shaped by the bootleg that I bought. Um, oh, afterwards. <laughs> afterwards, yeah. Uh, later that year, I think, or maybe it was the following year, uh, market. Uh, and then I did years later, I bought a VHS bootleg. Someone obviously had a video camera in the crowd. And there is up on there is up on YouTube a, a shaky camcorder recording of the show and so most of sort of you know fishes ad libs etc etc and his you know banter between the songs most of it i kind of remember from i think the the bootlegs right uh the that said i do remember him doing the world's biggest knock knock joke i remember him doing that that. uh do you remember the joke yeah i remember the joke we haven't got ross mccorter here but i think this could definitely go down in the Guinness Book of Records as the biggest amount of people participating in a knock-knock joke in the world. There are actually about 37 to 38,000 of you out there, so I think that qualifies. Now, I always try and get one joke or two, and we've been in Germany and everywhere, so like, it's very difficult to do in foreign languages. So will you participate in the shittiest knock-knock joke ever? <laughs> okay? Knock-knock! Yeah! Decent piss, isn't it? This is called Assassin! <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I remember that. I remember Pete coming on in his top hat and tails and... What? How did I not know this? Yeah, the way they'd sort of decorated the stage, they made it look like a kind of marquee tent with sort of striped awnings and stuff. That's so cool. And the set list... That's really cool. Are there any photos anywhere? Yeah, yeah, there were photos online. The set list, uh, they opened with Garden Party. Of course, yes. Then they went into Freaks. Mm Mm-hmm. Then Assassin. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chelsea Monday, I'm afraid, Sonia. Uh, but, you know, I loved it at the time. Script for Jester's Tear, then the whole... You me- loved it at the time? I enjoyed it. I was just happy well, to see happened? them. Just happy to see them. Oh, OK. Then, uh, I mean, it was very early in the set for Chelsea Monday, I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to get it out of the way. Yeah. Then the whole of Misplaced Childhood, of course, because oh, this was nice. still... You know, what? The, wow. Yeah, that was the big one that everyone oh. knew. Then Forgotten Sons... That ended the main set. Then the first encore was Incubus and Fugazi. Then the second encore was, of course, Market Square Heroes, which had, as was their want back in the day, uh, sort of improvised of versions of She Loves You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let's twist again. Mm. Um, does anybody remember Chubby Checker? Are you ready for dance, Fish, 
<laughs> but they did, he did the twist. So he did. He actually danced the twist. I think so, a little bit. Oh, awesome! <laughs> but it was it was that. Yeah, you know, I don't know how it was. For the I mean, band. that sounds like a great set list. Great set list. That would have been brilliant. But it it was sort of the crowning moment for the band, I think. In you know, in the eighties, really, it was the biggest show that they played in the UK. And I didn't realise at the time it wasn't a one-off. They actually, it was the Welcome to the Garden Party tour. They did play other gigs around Europe, but in the UK, without a doubt, the biggest audience that they'd ever drawn, which was sort of you know. 37,000 people something like that God that's crazy yeah that is a lot of people that's a lot of people so yeah and I remember going afterwards coming out and we weren't sure how we because my parents they'd been away and they were going to pick us up from Milton Keynes station and as we came out they were just like millions of people everywhere and we didn't quite know how we were going to get back to Milton Keynes Station. We ended up sharing a cab with a couple. They said, oh, do you, need, do you want to share our cab? Are you going to the station? And we are like, yes, please. Oh, that's <laughs> nice of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, and then my parents drove us home from Milton Keynes. It's a long drive. 45 minutes. In the evening. 45 Is minutes. Is it? Not really. Oh, I it was longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it was it 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 will remain just because it was so unique. One of my favourite Marillion gigs, um, and I think it, it's one of the iconic Marillion shows mm. that that sort of is up there with like sort of Royal Albert Hall now and yeah, you know, live at Lorelei, uh, all that sort of stuff. I mean, I that admittedly because it was a DVD or sort of VHS release, but. But yeah, it was. I find it weird though that they never recorded it. Why did wasn't that recorded for video release? Was that before they'd started recording all their gigs? Well, yeah, yeah, obviously. Oh, there yeah. you go. Probably. But it just... feels like that was a no-brainer. You know, record it for a live show. Yeah. Uh, you know, a live video release and live album. I, I don't know why that wasn't done. Mm. Seems like an oversight. They could have made some money doing that. Hindsight is twenty twenty, Paul. Isn't it ever? All right, well, let's move on to the, the, the main thing we wanted to talk about. That letter we got last week from John Nicholas. Ah, uh, yes. John says, you may recall that in my previous email, I mentioned that the only unforgivable thing had been played a shockingly few 13 times. I therefore very much enjoyed your recent podcast on the topic of how many times each song has been played live. I'm a bit of a self-confessed stato, just to reiterate, I used to work with the real life Stato. Those of you who I've explained it before. Who's this guy on a TV show who was, you know. He loved stats. He loved sporting statistics. He lived for stats. He was like that in real life as well. Uh, I once saw him fall off a chair at a Christmas party when I, well, I didn't see him fall off a chair. I pulled a Christmas cracker with him and he, he overreacted so much that he fell off the chair and then clutched his heart and ran off. Did all the stats fall out of his ears as he fell over? No, Sonia, that's not going to happen, is it? They should have. Uh, I thought it would be interesting to see how many, oh, how the songs played live compared with each other album by album. I'll start that again. <laughs> I thought it would be interesting to see how the songs played live compared with each other album by album and have hence produced the attached spreadsheet. Uh, if you have the means, please feel free to share this with your listeners. I will do once the episode's been out a few days. So he says, a few notes about the spreadsheet. It was compiled just prior to the Lisbon weekend. I have listed all songs on each album so you can see which songs have never been played live. 
Non-album songs, singles, B-sides, etc. have been listed under the relevant album for that time, e.g. Market Square Heroes with Script, Lady Nina with Misplaced, Circular Ride with Somewhere Else. That said, in my commentary below, I've tended to ignore these songs when comparing songs within an album. There is a column for Misc, which is mainly the very early tracks not released on script. And... Miscellaneous. Okay, thanks. Why? I know what Misc means. Thank uh, you. Well, other people might not know. Misc. Miskit Square Heroes. <laughs> I didn't think it was short for that. Which <laughs> is uh, mainly the very early tracks not released on script, and it's not your fault from less is more. I've calculated the average number of times each song from an album has been played. I've also included the standard deviation, which shows how variable or not the number of plays are per album. I.e. a low number means that most songs have been played an even number of times. A high number is that there is a lot of variability. I've added a sheet to the list. Okay, look, he's lost me, so we've probably lost all the listeners. (laughs) But I do appreciate you doing this, John, because it's actually really interesting. So do you want to read some of the things that he's noticed before we actually get into the spreadsheet? Yeah, sure. Some of the things that I've noticed. It's interesting to see how the albums compare. You would expect that older albums would be placed higher in the list, although you would also expect the first four albums to have their placing affected given they concentrate more on the songs since H joined. Um, I therefore think that the top eight are placed about right, although... Possibly Holidays in Eden is slightly lower placed at nine. Fear and Sounds That Can't Be Made are punching above their weight, given that they are all above radiation.com somewhere else. And Happiness is the Happiness Road. Happiness is the Road. Thank you. <laughs> Misk. <laughs> Hitter. Misk plays to- childhood. Oh, my God. That would be brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't I think of that before? Uh, I want a hitter, a home run. I want what? a hitter, a home run. Hit, they Holiday. don't know what that means. It that only really works if Holidays. you see it low, No, happiness down. is the road. Um, uh, talking of which, underplayed slash unloved are, are the... I'm going to say that bit again. <laughs> talking of which, how underplayed and unloved are the... Holid- happiness <laughs> is the road. Oh it says hitter. It says hitter and my brain can't translate it that quickly. <sighs> Holiday... No! No! <laughs> Happiness is the Road songs. It has the <laughs> lowest number of average song plays of any album, with the exception of An Hour Before It's Dark. The most played song is Real Tears for Sale, with just 64, what? ranked 129. The most played song from that album is ranked the 129th most played song. I know. That's shocking. That's shocking. Given that people loved that album at the time and having gone back to it again recently, it's a really good album. Yeah. Leavers, One Tonight and Somewhere Else are the next top ranked songs for their respective albums with 96 and 97 plays each. That is something that I noticed when we were going through Setlist FM. Holidays, no. <laughs> oh, jeez. did it again. God help us all. Happiness is the road seemed to be very low down on the list yeah weird i'd love to know why yeah i'd love to know if that was a conscious decision to mm. avoid those songs whether they thought they're unpopular unpopular or whether the band doesn't enjoy playing them or whether it's just been completely coincidental yeah it's weird because because disc one essence okay there are songs on there that 
I'm sure we've said this in recent weeks, there are songs on there that that do sort of blend into one another. But then you could easily take out things like Essence and they've done, you know, This Train Is My Life and Happiness Is The Road in isolation and most recently Woke Up. Mm. Those songs work. State of Mind works on its own. I don't know why that's been ignored. And Disc 2, okay, it's not every song is brilliant on Disc 2, but there are some great songs on there that really deserve a bit mm. more recognition. And Real Tears for Sale, let's face it, that's only because Lucy badgers them to play it a lot. Wow. I wonder if they didn't have a nice time making the album and I then it kind think, of clouds... I don't know. I don't even think there was a lot... There's not a lot of a of story in terms of how it was written because from what I gather, a lot of it was leftovers from, from the Somewhere Else sessions certainly disc two and then because h was talking about it recently on the corona diaries and he said disc one came together quite quickly after they'd pretty much got all these other songs to go so i don't know um it, i didn't get the sense that that there was any kind of you know it, as there was with sounds that can't be made any kind of issues with the making of it it seems like it was a perfectly sort of smooth process hmm oh, how bizarre all right, let's see. The next thing that John noticed... A large difference. Ah, yeah. So the next thing that John noticed is that there was a large difference between the average and the standard deviation, which indicates that the songs are fairly evenly played on an album. And a small difference shows a bigger spread. So Fugazi, Misplaced, Brave and Fear, therefore, display that the songs are fairly evenly played. Interesting. Misplaced, you'd expect. Yeah, you'd certainly... And brave. (laughs) Yes, for sure, for sure. You'd certainly expect to see that for the full concept albums, which have been played in full. For some albums, there's a big gap between the first and second place songs, but Starkest are Cover My Eyes at 512 plays versus Splintering Heart, what? Which is only 257 That's plays. That's nuts. I'm shocked. That they what, didn't, haven't played more off of that album. I'm shocked because Splintering Heart's such a great opener. And on top of that as well, they used to play This Town, the, the trilogy, so much. Mm. I'm really surprised that that's not higher up. Okay. Yeah. Um, Easter has 760 uh, versus Hooks in You, which only has 414. And then we have Garden Party that has 782 versus Misplaced Childhood, which has only 497. I think it's fair to say that both Hooks in You and Marcus Square Heroes, you can't argue that they've not been played a lot. They've been played a lot then if it's 414 and 497 plays respectively. So I think that's more that the Easter and Garden Party have perhaps been slightly overplayed. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Garden Party, obviously, less so in recent years. That's down to, you know, those early shows, earlier mm. times. Yeah. Um, similarly on radiation, three minute boy and answering machine are in the hundreds and the third most played in under the sun is under the sun with fifth, with 60. Hmm. Albums, which albums, which have gaps between the least played songs and the rest are Cinderella search at 89 versus she chameleon at 26. Mm hmm. Good, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) 
Last Straw at 74 versus Torch Song at 10. Good. Oh, what's wrong? Nothing wrong with Torch Song. I don't like Torch Song. I don't like Torch Song. I've said it. What? I just don't like it. It sounds awful. Okay. Oh no, you look really hurt. I'm, I'm sorry. Not hurt. I just don't. I'm sorry. I just think Torch Song's a nice song that I. I it's not a them. nice song. It's not. Lyrically. Maybe it's an interesting song, but it's not a nice song. Fine. Move on. Sorry for hurting your feelings. <laughs> not my feelings. Uh, no plays for going under. And just for the record, goodbye to all that is 127 versus Paper Lies, which is 76. Cannibal Surf Babe's Babe is 117 versus Beyond You, which Ugh. is 46. And Afraid Ugh. of Sunrise, 22. Ugh. 22. I mean, I mean, both of those, Beyond You and Afraid of Sunrise, that is a travesty. Love Afraid of Sunrise. And love Beyond You. Oh, uh, and Beyond utter You. Utter travesty. Yeah. 46 times for Beyond Bizarre. You. Literally, I'm going to say it, not just one of the best Marillion songs, but one of the best songs full stop ever written. Yeah. Lyrically and musically, it's it's a both classic. of them are beautiful, like really yeah. beautiful. There is an even division between most played and least played on this strange engine, with one thousand faces. What? Oh, with man. God, man- <laughs> <laughs> literal mind. Wow. Sorry, with man of a thousand faces, this strange engine, eighty days in Estonia all having plays between 169 and 310 plays, um, with the others being played 83 times or less. Anarachnophobia also has a big gap between the most played, which is Quartz, Between You and Me, and 21st Century, and all the rest. Marillion.com appears to be the only album with any sort of linear decline from the top. Go has 127 plays to bottom, Built in Boston Radar, 10 plays. Yes. Good. Let's keep it that way. Yeah, let's keep it that way. Let, let's never get above 10 plays for Built in <laughs> Radar. Hashtag 10 for all time. Um, you've already mentioned that there were some covers which have been played more than certain Marillion songs, especially um, The Only Unforgivable Thing and State of Mind. But I think that the spreadsheet really does bring that point home. We need to start a campaign to get these songs into regular play. Anyway, I'll be interested to hear what you make of this. I know there is a lot here, but if you do read this out, then please feel free to edit and pick out the points you find of most interest. Of course, I'm just going to read everything, John. (laughs) Right, let's have a look at the spreadsheet. Of course, I'm going to read everything. I don't know how to narrow down information. So... The most played album. Yes. Or the songs with which have been most played mm-hmm. from then I'll start that again. The album which has ha- had the most songs played from it is script for Jester's Tear. Understandably. Understandably. Oldest album. Yeah. They've played Garden Party and Market Square Heroes a lot. Yeah. Followed by Season's End. Again, understandably, first eight-year album. Of course. And Easter bumps up the average. Yeah, does it ever. Then Misplaced Childhood, obviously, given that, you know, they toured that album in its entirety quite relentlessly. Clutching at Straws, again, understandably. Then Brave, again, understandably, because it was played in full. Mm -hmm. Then Fugazi, Afraid of Sunlight, Holidays in Eden, Marbles. This Strange Engine, Anarachnophobia, Fear, Sounds That Can't Be Made, Radiation.com, Somewhere Else, Happiness Is The Road, 
and then misc. Then <laughs> 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 an hour before it starts, obviously, because it's... Yeah, that's fair. So like, it's interesting, isn't it, that fear is higher than sounds that can't be, even though it's a, a later it's album. It's newer, yeah. Higher than sounds that can't be made, radiation.com, somewhere else, and happiness is the road. I, look... What I'm, is going on with happiness is the road? I don't know. We need to... And, well, and also I'm going to say, it's somewhere else. It's not a bad album. No, it's not. You know, dot com is patchy. I'll say it. Radiation is certainly better than it was. Uh, I think that there's a lot from both. Okay, less so perhaps dot com, but <laughs> radiation. There is stuff that would work really well live if they mm-hmm. they wheeled it out. For sure. Dot uh, com. Mm, I mean, Go's always nice. But, I love Go, but the rest of it, I'm I can live without. <laughs> be honest it's my least favourite Marillion album uh, so that yeah that's weird isn't it that's really weird that Summer Else and Happiness is the Road have because I, I know the band were obviously aware of the reaction that ha- Summer Else got at the time but the reaction that ha- Happiness is the Road got was positive so it's strange yeah, that it's why... been so ignored I don't get that Especially when there's there's two albums worth of songs to choose from there. Yes, and they've chosen to not play either album yeah. songs much. You're right. That was a weird sentence. <laughs> it sort of got away from you a bit, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bizarre. I would love to know. I'd love to know if there's a reason for that, or if it's just coincidental. Um, that they've just kind of forgotten it and moved on to the next thing. Maybe they moved on to the next thing and then kind of got blinded by the newness of newer albums or the popularity of older albums. My worry is, is that there are certain songs that they really enjoy playing, like Neverland, and they just default back to those Mm. every time rather than kind of exploring... New territory. Yeah, Okay. so watching Glastonbury recently in the Paul McCartney set, Right. He, yes. He got a bit of grief on social media about the fact that that he played some obscure stuff. Uh, but I thought it made for a more interesting set list. Mm. I mean, all right, okay. I know it's a festival show, and you're meant to play your greatest hits, etc., well, the... etc. But if I'd been a McCartney fan, yeah, who knew his stuff inside out, I thought it was a great balance of classics and obscure stuff. Yeah. Didn't the Oasis guy get the same kind of grief? Or at least he yeah. mentioned it. He said, you're going to have to put up with some of these songs that none of you know. Yeah, he said, he said, these are for me. But, you yeah. know, don't worry, there's going to be a lot of blokes in bucket hats who are very happy in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, before we went into the Oasis. Even then, he didn't do the obvious Oasis ones necessarily. I mean, of course, he did Don't Look Back in Anger and Wonderwall. But, you know, I think he'd have been lynched if he hadn't by the by the crowd. But... On a regular tour with Marillion, oh God, we keep saying it. I do just wish they'd, they'd they'd mix it up a bit. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And I thought the I thought the the up tempo set at the recent weekend was brilliant in terms of surprising us and having enough that was sort of a bit more crowd pleasing, mm. but but also putting in some surprises. And I wish they'd apply that a bit more to the to the regular shows. Yeah, the tour later this year. I mean, yeah, I'm sure we'll probably get the whole of an hour before it's dark, given that Hope so. it's the hour before it's dark tour. I'm holding my breath for that. Anyway, so looking at... Um, this is interesting. The miscellaneous 
uh, section that he's got. So it's not your fault, which is from Less Is More, which obviously they played on a. I think they played that on one of their acoustic tours. So that's been played twenty nine times. So when you compare that to, let's have a look. It's not your fault. I mean, it's a very slight song. No, I can't find it. Oh, whatever. So yeah, twenty nine times. Where my song gone? <laughs> song gone. Uh, yeah. So th- so that that's interesting. That that's been played as many times as that, and yet beyond you has only been played 46 times Gizabun 22 times Institution Watts <laughs> I mean they've even played the Erin Marbles 10 times and that What's that, that <laughs> was a, a we've talked about this a Pogues version of of Marbles the Marbles songs oh and they've played that uh sorry I'm, I'm a bit confused by the the layout of this at the minute I'm looking. Uh, yeah, so they played that ten times, and it wasn't even on an actual album. It it, it was on a a fan club CD. Wow. Yeah, but ten times is hardly a lot of plays. No, it isn't. And yet there are songs which you know obviously haven't been played at all. I'm trying to. Here you go. I can't believe they've got songs they haven't played at all. So Lady Nina has never been played. That's crazy. Fish has done it. Going under just for the record, Tucks on. Tucks on, I love. I know the band hate it, but they've never played that. Um, they've never played just for the record. No. Actually, I remember you saying that when we um, were looking at the Setlist FM. They've Crazy. Nev- how, they've never played. Well, no, hang on. How could they not have ever played just for the record if they played the entire album? They never played the entire album. Oh, they didn't do a Clutching at Straws tour? They did, but they didn't play it in order like they did Misplaced. Oh. I uh, wish all bands would, when they had a new album, would play it in entirety from beginning to end. Really? Yeah. Because yeah. you, you get can to de- experience... We can debate that another time. <laughs> you get to experience what you're used to, but live. So, okay, so wait a minute. So the Erin Marbles has been played more than Live Forever, which has never been played. Live Forever is a B-side from the Afraid of Sunlight era. And it's a great little song. Never been played. They've never wheeled it out. Maybe they forget they've got it. Born to Run, which I love, has only been played eight times. I love what? Born to Run. Wow. Uh, the Only Unforgivable Thing, 13 times, only three I more know, times that's crazy. than The Air in Marbles from a fan club CD, a comedy song. I mean, just... just uh, Circular Ride four times, one of their best B-sides. Four times. You know, anyway, let's look at the covers. That's a, that's a good idea for a Marillion weekend evening. An evening of our least played songs. Well, they thought they did Can a you rarities imagine that? night. They did the rarities and covers night. No, but literally their least played songs. Yeah. So they go on to Setlist FM, find out the least played songs, and do an evening just of those. Well, let's look. This is it's really interesting that John John's listed the covers that they've played. So Abraham, Martin, and John they've played fifteen times. What more than the only unforgivable thing? Yeah, I mean it's a great song. So you've got to hide your love away fourteen times by the Beatles. You know that. Yeah. Wow. This is nuts. Let it snow, let it snow, no. let it snow. They've played 12 times. <laughs> <laughs> Substitute by The Who, they've played 10 times. Fake Plastic Trees by Radiohead, they've played eight times. Give me some loving. Give me some loving. Give me some loving. Eight times. Happy Xmas, War Is Over, eight times. 
The Christmas Song eight times, Arnold Lane by Pink Floyd seven times, It's Too Late, Carol King seven times, Blackbird by The Beatles six times, Hey Jude six times, Toxic by Britney Spears six times. I mean, that's it's just mad. Mm. Yeah, I get I get bands playing covers, but if they don't have enough of their own original material, yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, saying and I, that, I do enjoy it when they play a cover. Oh, so, me too, and I've, I, I really enjoyed I'm a the cover. Yeah, I enjoyed the covers of the night they did in two thousand and seven at the Marillion Weekend, the covers and rarities night. I know not everyone did, but I did enjoy it because Marillion Weekends, you you want something a bit different, and all right, that's part of the reason why some of these, actually, none of those songs, to be honest, have been played so often. But I don't know. I agree with you. Let's let's have. Let's have a least played songs night. So let's look at let's look at what they could do. Lady Nina. Well, season's end. Uh, they're not going to play Lady Nina. Oh, okay, fine. They're not. It's Fish Era, and H has pretty much said he's he's sung all the Fish Era songs he's going to sing. He's, oh, okay. He's not going to do. All right, any let's new cut ones. out any Fish Era songs. So I think let's least played from H Era. Right. So let's rule out season's end because it, even the least played song there, which is the release, they play sixty three times. So, the Holidays in Eden era. The three least played songs, How Can It Hurt and I Will Walk on Water. Are you sure you oh. want this in a set list? Some of these, there's a good reason why. <laughs> <laughs> are you sure? I will walk, walk, on water. I will walk, walk. God help us. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, How Can It Hurt? And then You Don't Need Anyone, which is effectively a How We Live song. Let's not do any off that album. <laughs> You uh, said you'd be happy to hear songs even though you're not the biggest fan. No, of. okay, do all three of those. Do all three. Also, Winter Trees, which is a little instrumental B-side from Brave. Never been played. Rothers can wheel that out if he likes. Uh, Live Forever, an icon. Icon they've actually played three times. Uh, okay, so let's have Beyond You, Afraid of Sunrise, Icon and Live Forever <laughs> from Afraid of Sunlight. Fair enough, yep. This Strange Engine... <laughs> Oh, dear. Okay, the two least played songs. One, Fine Day, I don't like it. Yeah, it's just a bit... Dull. Dull. But I hope for the future they can play, even though no one likes it. You know, hey, the um, for the tour in the autumn, they've got... Uh, oh, what's his name? Is it Louis Jardim or someone? The drummer guy joining them for the entire <gasps> tour. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Because um, apparently exciting. he joined them in Lisbon and they loved it. So he's gonna he's doing the whole tour. Oh, awesome! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's gonna give it something a bit, bit different, a different flavour. Yeah, be interesting to see what they decide to do. I wonder if they'll do the big beat mix of mem- beat, beat, big beat mix of memory of water if he's there because he's going. Anyway, all right. Let's have Born to Run, and now she'll never know to bring the the tempo down. There's a lot actually on Radiation. They've not played much. I mean, it's ridiculous. A few words for the dead thirty nine times. <laughs> That's a travesty. Let's have Now She'll Never Know and Born to Run. <sighs> but they don't always work well live. But anyway, um, let's just ignore dot com. <laughs> I know, you know what? They can play Tumble Down the Years with its 18 plays. They've only played Tumble Down the Years 18 times? Yeah. Eight more times than Built in Bastard Radar. Wow. Yeah. I would have thought that would be a song that works quite well live. Tumble down the years. Yeah, it's, it's really got, it's, slight. It's um, it's not much of a song, is it? It's a light kind of poppy song. Yeah, it'll be great live. Okay, 
Um, all right, let's... Anamatophobia, uh, the least played song off that. Well, it's number one, which is the, the bonus track. No, it's a dirge. Then Fruit of the Wild Rose. Okay, there's two here. Fruit of the Wild Rose. Okay, they can play that. But also, When I Meet God, only 39 plays. <gasps> I definitely want to hear that. Yeah, me too. Okay, Marbles, No Brainer, Only Unforgivable Thing. Yeah, 13 No Brainer. Times. Every time I see that, it's like uh, the red mist descends. It makes your heart hurt. Injustice. Uh, I would also like Circular Ride from the Somewhere Else Sessions. I would also like, which has never been played, to say the word. I don't care if Ian Mosley hates it. I love it. I think it's a good Prince pastiche. <laughs> now, Happiness is the Road. They just basically need to play the whole of this too. They've never played Throw Me Out. Great. Which is great song. Older Than Me, I really like. They've never played that. Half Full Jam. It's a, It's what it is. It's a jam. Half the World. They've only played three times. It's a great pop song. Half the World. Play it. Especially True. It's a decent enough rocker. Play that. It's only been played three times. It's just mad. State of Mind. Seven plays. Trap the Spark. 16 what? plays. State of Mind's only been played seven times? Yeah. No, that's impossible. I feel like I've heard it loads. You haven't. I mean, even Essence has only <laughs> Maybe been Maybe I've been there all seven times. Even Essence has only been played 28 times. Wow. That's a travesty, that the, that poor album. All the work The neglected album. It sounds that can't be made is really underrepresented as well. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Invisible Ink, only eight plays. I know. Why? Okay, so they need to chuck that Why? into the set list. This is a long set list now. Yeah, please chuck in Invisible Ink. Invisible Ink. You can have Lucky Man, Sanya. Yeah, I, I love Lucky I'll Man. I'll go outside during that. Uh, How many plays does Lucky Man have? Eight. Eight. What? And then Montreal, cray, nine cray. plays. But, okay, sorry. Invisible Ink's a way better song than Poor My Love. And that's had 27 plays. Mm. Okay, Fear. Okay, that's, I think, for its age, is well represented. And then we've got an hour before it's dark. So, look, uh, I will put this spreadsheet up somehow on Facebook for, for those who, who want to see it in more detail. Uh, you know, but it, it just comes back to what we've been saying when we've been looking at these these st statistics over recent weeks. They're, you know, Marillion really, really need to dig into their back catalogue a little bit more, I think, mm -hmm. because there's a lot of stuff there that, that is undervalued, frankly. And it's not just undervalued by the band who aren't playing it, but because they're not playing it, it they, they become undervalued by the fans. Because I, people forget how good they are. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why, over the years, Happiness is the Road has failed to sort of maintain the, the reaction it got upon release, is that people have sort of forgotten how good it is because it doesn't get represented at, at the shows. Mm. And that's a real shame because it's a really good album. And likewise, I mean it. Some somewhere else, you know, we're gonna maybe start next week. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully, gonna start looking at somewhere else next week. Then, and that. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, I'm ready. I... Good. Uh, there's a lot on there that I think if they they started putting it into sort of more regular rotation in the set list, that somewhere else the title track is so good. It is. It's a brilliant song. And and it just gets forgotten. Mm how good it is and that's not the only, it's not the not only great songs. song on that album there are others yeah so yeah anyway i'm not i'm you know change the record paul but i'm hoping it's like the gold that falls to the bottom of the bag or the coins that get stuck in the sofa i'll get you, you with forget, your, your poetic metaphors you forget that it's there but then when you find it you're so happy because 
it is actual treasure. Yes. Yes. And they buried some of that treasure beneath, you know, <laughs> fertiliser. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's us for this week. Are we doing a bonus episode this week? Have you got something to say? Uh, I don't think we are doing a bonus ep this week because I want to get this edited. Okay, fine. As a matter of principle, but there'll be one next week. Sounds uh, good. Uh, sounds good. Sounds that good be made. <laughs> good sounds that can be made. Yes. Uh, but if you do want to hear some of our older bonus episodes, you can support us on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Mr. Biffo. Link's in the description. Yeah. There's a lot of other stuff on there, but we now have... Tags. tags yes you can i haven't find finished it i haven't finished tagging everything but there is a section called Biampod bonus and yes. that should have all our bonus episodes so in. you'll be able to find not them all easily. of them are in there yet but gradually day by day more are being added yeah, there's quite a few in there now aren't there i think so i haven't looked at the number yeah yeah well worth a pound a month yeah yeah yeah, you could just basically They're spend... They're shorter episodes as well, so don't worry. It's not going to take up but a whole hour of your time. But you could still spend your entire life listening to us if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, tell people about us, all the usual stuff. Spread the word. Uh, we have actually... Oh, we've got a really interesting interview lined up, haven't we? <gasps> I know. Wow. Yeah. I don't know how you managed this, but... Um, oh, I didn't. They contacted me. It's great. I'm yeah. very excited. I'm not going to say who it is, but it's really going to be an interesting one. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Unexpected. <laughs> unexpected. Very unexpected. But, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Teasy, teasy, tease. <laughs> right, everyone, we will talk to you next week. Yes, thanks for listening. Be good, behave, be safe. <laughs> <laughs>